Hello, this is Will Stoller for Payday Loan Industry Watch, PLIwatch.org, which produces this podcast. PLI Watch is an independent source for news and information about what's happening in the payday loan and cash advance industries. We're able to bring you this service based on donations and sponsorships. The content of this podcast is unlikely to reflect the views of sponsors or donors. This is PLIwatch.org podcast number nine and is for the week of July 22nd. Joining us this week is Greg Fay, managing partner for FDH Holding. His company operates six payday loan offices in Ohio under the name Hometown Cash Advance. From Hometown Cash Advance about Hometown Cash Advance, quote, Hometown Cash Advance provides alternative lending solutions to customers that experience unexpected financial emergencies. Our small, family-owned company philosophy is to treat everyone with dignity and respect. By exercising responsible lending practices, we believe that a payday loan can be a short-term solution, unquote. Let's hear what Greg candidly said about his stores and get a feel for what it's like to be one particular payday lender in Ohio. Welcome to the podcast, Greg. Thank you for inviting me, Will. I appreciate it. Thanks. First, Greg, tell us a little bit about your business so we can put your perspective on the industry in context. How large is your business? When were you founded? And how have you grown? What's the market like there in Ohio? What kind of regulations do you operate under? In short, fill us in on what it's like to operate there. We started our business in April of 2003. My partner and I basically took uh, our entire family savings to finance and begin uh, working with our process. We've grown to six stores now, and they're all located in Ohio. They're located in the Dayton and Toledo areas specifically. Uh, we, we chose to open up in Ohio. Number one, that's where our residence is. And number two, the legislative climate here is probably one of the most solid in the United States with regulations being, I think, both favorable for the consumer and the operator. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit more about the regulations that you operate under and perhaps, let's say, how you market to people? Exactly. When it comes to the regulations, I think that it benefits both the consumer and the operator because, number one, it offers the operator an opportunity to charge a fee that's reasonable. It also, uh, I think, caters to the consumer because the state of Ohio has what's called a 24-hour cool-off law which requires the customers to wait one day before they take out another payday loan. We basically market to customers. We take several approaches. First off, we take kind of a grassroots approach. Because we're a small family-owned company and we believe that this business is really built on relationships, we look for referrals. So in our entire approach, we treat customers with dignity and respect. We have a really professional setting in which we've provided for them to do business. So we hope that the experience that they've had with us will lead them to refer other customers to us. The grassroots approach kind of continues in the fact that we're out in the community. We're sponsoring local events. Some examples of that would be child identification. We've actually had child identification through the sheriff's department come out to our place of business. And uh, we've tried to market to customers that way just by showing them that being a small family-owned company, we really believe that we need to be involved in the community. We partner with local businesses and try to market their products in exchange for them marketing our products. We also take some larger scale approaches like direct mail and radio. Thanks. I guess many of our listeners may not understand how the payday loan process works at a storefront like yours. Can you take a few minutes and describe the customer experience that starts when a customer enters your store and then ends when the customer has returned for the final time to pay off his or her loan? 
customer, when they come to our office, if they've uh, come in uh, because uh, Anita's developed and they've seen that uh, we provide this service, they've seen uh, us through some form of marketing, they come to our office, they get greeted as soon as they walk in the door. And again, that's one of the ways that we try to differentiate ourselves because we recognize that relationship is so critical. Uh, we greet them as soon as they walk in the door. We really try to set them at ease. One of my favorite lines to say to a customer, and it, and it really holds true for everybody, whether they're a consumer of the payday loan industry or borrowing money in the bank, nobody likes to borrow money. You're generally at a point in your life where you've come across something that you cannot satisfy a need that you have, so you're having to borrow money. Nobody likes to be in that position. So I like to immediately put somebody at ease by just starting to develop the relationship with them. As we go through the application process, and in our mind it's the decision-making process, we're just kind of holding their hand through the whole process, really trying to immediately take them off edge and let them see that we're here to help. We want to do everything we can to provide them this service. Once we have the application, we review the documents that they're required to bring to us. What we require them to bring is uh, two forms of identification, a proof of income, and their most recent checking account statement that covers the previous 30 days of activity on their bank statement. With that information, we begin our underwriting process. Our underwriting process just basically helps us determine how much we're going to be able to assist that customer with in lending them money or whether we're going to be able to assist them in lending them money. We take a look at information like uh, how much do they bring home on a weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly basis. We look at their checking account to determine how long has that account been established, how frequently do they make deposits, and how responsibly do they manage their balances in the checking account. Those are the things that really help us determine how much we can assist them. It really helps us determine how much we can loan them. Our philosophy with home, at Hometown Cash Advance is that we want to exercise responsible lending. That means never putting in the customer in a position to where they're going to have a difficult time paying the loan back on their side. But on our side, we obviously want to make sure that we protect our assets and make sure that we don't loan them an amount of money that they won't be able to pay back, which would endanger our business. Okay, so you've completed the application. What happens next? Well, after the customer has their loan, we're really detailed about explaining the loan agreement to the customer. But when we review the uh, consumer loan agreement with the customer, some things that we specifically want to point out to them, number one is obviously we want to ensure that we've input all of their information correctly. But the very first thing that we want to point out is in a box that is generally required by all lenders. It's the uh, truth in lending disclosure portion of the agreement. We ensure that we point out the charge that they are going to endure for taking out this payday loan. We want to make sure that they're fully aware of this flat fee that they're going to have to pay. We make sure that they're agreeable to it. We make sure that we point out when the loan is due back. We feel that this is very important because it obviously is going to be one of the building blocks of our relationship, how well they honor their agreement with us, will determine if they ever need our service again in the future, it's going to determine our willingness to be able to assist them. So we make sure that they understand when the loan has to be paid back, and we discuss if there would be a default at that point. We talk about what the options would be. Uh, we explain to them fully what we would look to do, and we ask them to ensure that if there is any problems or they see that there's going to be any problems, just simply make sure that they communicate with us because we can really work through any issues that a customer might have in the event of default as long as the customer shows a willingness to contact us and just try to work through the problem. So after the customer has the loan and they have a full understanding of when we expect them 
time to come back and honor their agreement, we basically asked them uh, to ensure that they would be willing to uh, refer any business to us and just again remind them of when the loan comes due. When the loan comes due and the customer comes back in and pays off the loan, it's done in two fashions. Number one, the customer can come directly to the store, pay off the loan, the principal and the interest combined, and actually pick up the checks that they left as collateral for the loan and the transaction is complete. Or they could ask us to deposit their checks and use the checks to pay off the loan and the transaction would be complete at that time. So speaking of collections, what happens when somebody doesn't pay the loan back? You know, collections, right? How do you handle collections? What behavior is considered inbounds and what's considered out of bounds? We look at collections and we try to do a lot of work on the front end, Well, On the front end, our adage is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So I want to kind of take you back to the beginning just for a second and reiterate. If we've done a really good job developing a relationship with this customer and explain to them in detail what they can expect from us and what we'd expect from them, and then we exercise responsible lending by trying to put them in a position where they can afford to pay the loan back and allow it to actually serve its short-term purpose, that's really something that's important to us. So if we've done our homework there, we feel that we've cut about 50% of any potential collections that come down the pipe. On the day that a customer's loan is due back and we begin efforting to contact a customer to ensure that they plan on paying their loan back on time, if we determine that there's going to be any issues at that time, uh, whether it be through, I'll, I'll address the first issue, if we have an ongoing communication with the customer and they point out that there's going to be a problem with them honoring their obligation, we immediately just, number one, stress continued communication because we think that it's really just a matter of continuing to communicate. I've always found in my history in this business right here, customers generally fall under two different headings. Number one, a customer who wants to honor their agreement but is simply having a difficult time doing so, or a customer who is not so sure that they want to honor the agreement. They just don't see a light at the end of their financial tunnel, so uh, they may begin to take some evasive measures to try to just make it go away. Dealing with the first customer is always very simple because when you have an open line of communications, it gets to a matter of coming up with a plan that will honor the agreement that's reasonable to both parties. I've never seen a case where that could not happen and the terms are broad and there's a thousand ways to skin a cat when it comes to that but really the key being open communications and their willingness to want to take care of the loan in the event of the second customer that is not forthright and just comes forward and communicates with us we just basically try to contact the customer through the numbers that they provided on the application we may consistently try to contact them at home reassuring them that if they'll just make communication with us that we can really come up with a plan that'll get this loan taken care of. We try to contact them. We may send them a letter stressing the same thing. Just make contact with our office. I'm sure that we can get things settled if you'll just make contact with us. Those are the pretty standard collection processes that we use. For example, Will, if I were going to uh, make a collection call to you, what we would do is we'd look at your application and we'd try to determine the best place to contact you. Obviously, that's going to be your home or a cell phone number that you've provided for us. And generally, we have the most success in contacting customers by that means right there. In the event that we were unable to reach you at home or at cell, I would make a phone call to your work if I made contact with you. The very first question I'd ask, Will, would be, is this a good time for you? I ask that question because I immediately want to disarm 
you, I immediately want you to recognize that I'm not trying to tread on turf uh, work where you're not able to have a candid conversation. I'm not asking you to have a conversation in a place where, you know, you would be uncomfortable. And I recognize if I forced your hand there, I'm not going to have a cooperative customer and that's not going to lead to us coming to a solution. So I'm going to ask, Will, is this a good time for you? If you say no, the next thing I'm going to say is, Will, if you would, would you please promise to give me a call at your first break or when you get home? In the event that the office is closed, here's my personal cell phone number. All we want to do is get an arrangement for this payday loan that you had that is currently past due. And that's really the end of that process. If Will honors my request, we're right back on track to getting this solution, to getting this loan honored. Uh, I think a lot of operators maybe don't look at the value in maintaining a good relationship with the customer because when you have a good relationship with the customer, you have two people that are willing to bring this to a conclusion by getting the loan paid off. Uh, I don't think, I don't personally look at it, nor do any of my employees or uh, anybody that I'm in business will look at it as a, I want to contact this customer just to simply harass them at work or harass them on their personal cell phone number. That's not going to lead to a, any sort of solution. Okay, let's move to a related question. This one is about customers' data security. Now, there was a flap in Louisville, Kentucky in May. A Money Now franchise was allegedly caught just boxing up thousands of personal records with sensitive data and then chucking that into the garbage behind their store. According to the factor regulations, they should have shredded these documents or otherwise destroyed them before disposing of them to protect their customers. What are your data handling practices and what is your policy about handling sensitive customer information? Well, I think I want to address that on a couple different steps, Will, because I think it's extremely important in this day and age of identity theft. Number one, I want to point out that legislation in the state of Ohio requires us to keep on hand personal information, application, and personal documents for customers that have applied for a loan with any of our offices. We're required to keep those for two years. Now, we keep them longer because that information is always of benefit to us in the event that we want to try to uh, resolicit the customer to ask them if they're in need of our services or ask them for referrals. So we keep the information indefinitely. We generally don't have a need to dispose of any customer's information, but if there ever came a point in time when we did, the rule of thumb is if it has personal information on it, it shred it and dispose of it properly with the understanding that there's someone's personal information on those documents, on that application, and that's not anything that we want to fall into anybody's hands that could cause any of our customers harms. That's just not what we're in business for. Uh, putting paperwork aside, if we feel that we do everything we can to honor our customers' uh, personal information and protect their identity. When it comes to physical hard assets like computers and network operations, we really work hand-in-hand -hand with a fantastic software provider. What we do is uh, we dial up to their connection. The name of the company is in, uh, they're in Cleveland, Tennessee, they're CMAX, and we load up to their server in Cleveland, Tennessee, which I really think protects the customer because they're a company that specializes in providing software and goes through far, far more efforts because of their knowledge of hardware and software go through far, far more procedures to ensure that all of that information is protected than what we could ever afford to or really ever have the knowledge to do at each individual branch level. So a customer's personal information only shows up through our computers simply through the software that we've accessed over the internet and not uh, loaded directly to any hard drive that we personally have. The Center for Responsible Lending, an industry think tank, has a couple of choice statistics that they often use that I'd like you to respond to. We'd like to see how they square up with your specific first-hand experience. Here's the first claim. Quote, 
Getting a payday loan usually causes more financial problems for a consumer, not fewer, unquote. And to back that up, they qualify it this way, quote, borrowers on average receive 8 to 13 payday loans per year from a single payday shop. The typical borrower situation is even worse since borrowers often go to more than one shop, 1.7 shops on average, therefore taking out 14 to 22 loans per year, unquote. Can you respond to that? What are your average customers like? Yes, I'd like to address really the the first statement made by the Centers of Responsible Lending, and that's the claim that getting a payday loan usually causes more financial problems for a consumer, not fewer. My particular customer base, I believe, would take that comment or that statement offensively because that comment has an inherent, it immediately assumes that a customer that's going to walk through the door is going to use our service irresponsibly. And we just don't take that approach. At Hometown Cash Advance, we're a of the opinion that we're here to provide a short-term solution in an unexpected financial emergency. That sentence is singular. We build our model and we market to the fact that if we simply provide that short-term solution to that unexpected financial emergency, that the customer has received the benefit for which they came to our office for. If you continue to point out the statistics that they refer to, they talk about customers that take on average 8 to 13 loans annually. I'll address that one first. That may very well be true across the industry. I'm uncertain. What I can speak to is at Hometown Cash Advance, that is not the case. By the way, some of the other statistics that were pointed out uh, by the Center for Responsible Lending very well may be true. I can't, uh, I can't speak to it. I just don't have firsthand knowledge. But what I can speak to is the firsthand knowledge of our particular customer base at Hometown Cash Advance. Because of one of the uh, steps in the loan decision process or the underwriting process, we immediately preclude anybody who has more than one payday loan outstanding at any other company. We preclude them from being able to do business from us. We actually deny that customer a loan. That may very well hurt the growth of our business. We're willing to take that chance based on this one thing. Remember back to our statement, we're here to provide a short-term solution for an unexpected financial emergency, and a customer who comes in and has more than one payday loan outstanding, we don't believe that we're lending them that assistance. We actually believe that we've picked up on a trend for a customer who's really having a very difficult time financially, maybe even uh, spiraling downward, and we are not going to be able to do business with that customer based on the fact that it runs totally against the grain of what we went into business to do. Thanks. Here's another claim from the Center for Responsible Lending we'd like you to address. Quote, payday lenders misrepresent the true cost of borrowing to their customers, unquote. The center further defines true cost of borrowing as APR or annual percentage rate. Do you disclose the APR? How do you disclose it? And do your customers understand it or care to understand APR? Yes, well, we do disclose it. Uh, We disclose it very, very specifically in the largest portion of the consumer loan agreement, right smack dab in the middle. We point out what the finance charge actually is as a flat dollar rate. It's very obvious to the customer what it annualizes to be as an annual percentage rate. But I'm going to be candid with you here, Will. It is very complicated for customers to understand how it annualizes out. It's equally complicated for me to determine uh, how I was supposed to calculate it. So with that said, I don't think that there's a concern about the APR. I think the customers look at it as a convenience fee of $15 for every $100 borrowed in exchange for them not having to pay a late charge, 
them not having their utilities disconnected, or them not having to endure the embarrassment or far greater cost of a return check. The comments that I've heard day after day after day is $15 per 100 is reasonable because it avoids all of those bad things and is actually more cost effective than any of the things that I mentioned. The APR is simply a regulatory requirement. We honor it, but we don't get very many questions about it, nor a uh, curiosity to try to understand it. Thanks. Last claim from the center, quote, state payday laws almost always favor lenders, not consumers. In states with laws with real consumer protections, payday lenders ignore unfavorable state provisions claiming federal preemption, unquote. Tell us more about Ohio law and tell us how Ohio makes sure you're adhering to the law instead of skating around it like the center claims payday loan companies do. Well, first of all, I'll uh, describe some uh, particulars to the Ohio law. The Ohio law mandates what fee we can charge. It's $15 for every $100 up to $500. And then between uh, anything over $500 to $800 and that $300 window, the fee is $13.75 per $100. They also cap off the amount of money that we can loan a customer at $800. They cap off the number of loans that a customer can have with an individual payday operator. And they also, and I spoke to this prior in, in the front part of our interview, they have a 24-hour cooling-off period, which requires that a customer or pay off a loan, and then actually, if they choose to use the same company, they must wait one business day. And the reasoning that the state has that is they do not want any new payday loan funds being used to retire an older payday loan. Thus, I believe that the state of Ohio is attempting to act responsibly to assist customers and not getting caught up in the cycle. What we do is we honor every single one of those agreements. The state also, one thing I didn't speak to is the state of Ohio does not allow any rollovers in any way, shape, or form. The entire payday loan must be paid in full before a customer can take out another payday loan. Now, as far as frequency and auditing, the auditing arm of the state of Ohio, they have auditors that visit the branches frequently since we've been open. Uh, we've been audited in one of our branches in a previous life when I was with a larger company. We we're audited in the state of Ohio very frequently. As far as individual compliance within our company, our software, I'm the one who set up our software, so there's no doubt that we fully comply because the software will not allow any violations outside of what the state of Ohio mandates. We look at it as they have allowed us this legislation here, and we're going to operate within it in honor. Thanks again. Let's talk for a moment about your business. Often, industry critics charge that payday lenders are effectively rolling in dough, and if they don't come out and say it, they certainly imply it. We commonly see the conflict portrayed as the poor borrower taken advantage of by the payday loan fat cat. Well, is there anything to this stereotype? From your perspective as a business owner, how does your business compare to, let's say, how well or how poorly another business does? Tell, tell us more. Well, I want to speak to my company, Hometown Cash Advance, specifically first, and I'd like to kind of dispel that myth. My partner and I are probably at best middle class, possibly upper middle class. Two individuals have, who have specifically put our entire family savings into our business, and that is the way that we financed it. Our business is not one that grew from individuals that were born with a silver spoon, nor would we call ourselves uh, extremely wealthy when we started. I don't think that that's true. I think if you look at 
other business models. I think the overhead structures can be, uh, it's really, I guess it's really complicated, Will, to look at mixing apples and oranges. The one thing that everybody gets caught up in looking in, in the payday loan industry is the fact that there's a charge of $15 per hundred. That's all that's ever discussed is the fee. The things that are never discussed are the expenses that are required to operate a payday loan office. And I'll give you the first one as an example. A payday lender takes, it's a, I believe I'm making a factual statement by saying that a payday lender takes some inherent risks. By doing business with a consumer that just does not have the means to use a traditional credit tool. They don't have the means to get a credit card or get a bank loan. So we're taking an inherent risk by providing this service to that customer. I believe industry standards last year for write-offs exceeded 10%. 10% of revenue, in some cases, that's almost $3,000 worth of loans on a monthly basis that did not get paid back. That expense is never talked about. The other expenses that are very common to brick and mortar operations of any sort are just a simple overhead of lights, utilities, insurances, payroll. I never hear those expenses discussed when it's talked. It's only about the charge that's incurred. We're also operating in an environment where the payday lending industry is a very competitive industry. It takes a higher caliber employee to treat that customer dignity and respect and try to get new business in. It takes more creative and more expensive marketing effort to bring the customers to our door. You never seem to hear those discussed, although it's commonly discussed when you talk about any other business like Microsoft or Walmart or General Motors. There's always discussion of what traditional expenses would be. Those expenses are never discussed when a payday lending operation is brought up. Back to your customers for a moment. What have your customers told you positively about the services you provide? That's a great question, Will. Uh, at Hometown Cash Advance, of course, our efforts are to, being a small family-owned company with a very strong faith and very solid values, we lead with that. We're very, we're very candid with that about our customers. It's obvious in how our office is set up. We take a very professional approach to how the office looks. We try to provide the appearance of a professional financial institution or bank, if you will, as opposed to a pawn shop or something like that. Our customers are very appreciative because, remember, they walk through our door in the midst of some sort of financial emergency. They don't want to be there because nobody wants to borrow money. When you couple those two factors with just experiencing the difficulty they're experiencing, our efforts are to give them a professional environment to do business with, uplift them, treat them with dignity and respect, and try to help them get a solution to their problem, try to help them get a handle on their finances. Let me give you two examples of two individual people that have commented specifically about how our approach to payday lending is been different. At Hometown Cash Advance, if we see a customer in what's known as the cycle to where they're having a difficult time getting themselves out of a series of payday loans, we pull the customer off to the side and we offer an opportunity for them to take a class. It's an eight-hour class that we put on at our expense. It's uh, called the Good Sense Financial Ministry. And what it does is it teaches them some responsible ways to use credit, responsible ways to manage their debt. I can think of two individual customers that have actually went through that class. And after they went through that class, actually, one of the customers went away, never had to use our service again. So I think that kind of speaks for itself. 
but the other customer has curtailed the number of times that they need to use our service on an annual basis. And her specific comment to me was, I can't believe that somebody that actually makes a living from providing this service and charging this fee would actually extend this opportunity to take a class that would teach a customer how to write their financial ship without having to continually come back and use your own business. And uh, those two comments right there just really kind of justified our approach and how we do things. Okay, last question. In your opinion, what are the prospects for growing your business in Ohio or elsewhere? Do you think the industry is on its way up, will remain static, or is in decline? What do you see on the ground there? I'll comment specifically to the legislation, Will, and that is the fact that the most recent legislative change in Ohio increased the amount that a consumer could borrow. It's not that our average loan increased a great deal because of that. The reason I bring that up is because I think it just points to the fact that the legislative environment is positive. I think the state of Ohio is very comfortable with the legislation that they have when you build in the cooling off process and the fact that the customer can only have one loan per payday loan operator. I think it makes it probably one of the most favorable states in the country in that sense. I think that there's a lot of opportunity out there, speaking specifically now to hometown cash advance, when we take our philosophy and try to stretch it abroad across the state of Ohio, I think that we have a distinct advantage in the industry because of the approach that we take with customers. I think when we market our package and take our grassroots approach out across Ohio, we find that there's operators out there that may not be following that philosophy. Customers, I think, are going to be more customer service demanding because of the level of competition. And I think that with our responsible lending, our approach to treating people with dignity and respect, and our approach to providing a really professional and environment that they can do business in, and also an alternative for them through our Good Sense Ministry, I think that we can go into markets where there may even be a stronghold of competition and actually thrive by representing ourselves very respectably, but I think also putting a very good face on the payday loan industry. Greg, good luck. Thanks for your time today. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity, Will. This week's podcast did not have a sponsor. If you want to sponsor what we do every week and reach out to listeners who are interested in the payday loan industry, please contact Robert James via the contact page on our website. If you'd like to make a donation to help keep PLIwatch.org running, please see the donations page on our website. Remember, visit PLIwatch.org for industry-independent news, interviews, RSS news feeds, helpful tips, and older podcasts. You can also take a look at our listings and reviews of payday loan vendors. This is Will Stotler for PLI Watch. Thanks for listening.